ready. <laughs> Hello, all-star clients, and welcome to a special episode of the Veterinary Roundtable presented by All-Star Veterinary Clinic. Before we begin, we'd like to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us for 10 episodes. Woo! 10's a lot. It's like a lot of months. I was trying to figure it out. One every other week is how many? Is it every other week? Uh-huh. Oh. So it's like 20 weeks? Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of months. <laughs> so yeah, that's time. like four and a half months ish. Yeah. If I'm doing my math right, it's almost half a year. Wow. Okay. Anyway, um, or a quarter. You're close. <laughs> <laughs> four months. Round up. How many months are in a year? Round up to six. <laughs> Sounds better. <laughs> okay, we've learned so much, and we can be more grateful for your support. So today's episode is much different. Instead of our usual format, we'll be answering listener questions all episode long, but we only have four minutes to answer answer each question. Four minutes, ladies. And yes, we're being timed. Harrison has a timer for us. Unfortunately, Dr. King can't be with us today due to an urgent family urgent family matters. But instead, we have the lovely Dr. Kristen Pulse sitting in for her as interim co-host. Myself, Dr. Ashton Duckwall, registered veterinary technician Courtney Vaughn, and the woman of many hats, Becca Miller. Mm-hmm. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? Okay, thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, How are you, Doctor Pulse? Excellent. How do you feel over there in the hot seat? Oh, I love this seat. <laughs> I like the intro that you're just a woman of many hats. It's mm-hmm. just we can't define it. Yeah, we discussed it last time, and they started listing off all the different places you can find me, and I feel like it's easier to just list the things I can't do. Which okay. is perform surgery it's a short or list. help with that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to learn whatever, but I think i need to just you know leave that gonna, to you yeah not the like guts and inside yeah no that no that's thing. you know yeah. i feel like we need better hands than that <laughs> i am not the person well we're grateful for the many yes. hats you wear yes Thank you. we are we are okay let's get started we get started shall we oh timer timer's going oh wow wouldn't the timer start after we get the question i'm nervous yeah oh wait so we have to speak really fast for the question Three minutes the question is a while. <laughs> it is a while. <laughs> okay. First question. Why is it that so many dogs are having cranial cruciate disease so early in life? Is it processed dog food that lacks the necessary omega-3s? From T.R. Wells. And go. Thank you, T.R. Wells, for the question. <laughs> I Maybe would, we oh. could define cruciate disease. What is it? Yes. Anyone? When they tear their caudal cruciate or ligament, yeah, it's like their ACL pretty much. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, so it's yeah. in the knees, it's mm-hmm. yep. in the stifle joint. We see it a ton. It's the most common orthopedic injury dogs get. So it's used to stabilize the knee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's usually an acute injury, so it happens all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we define that well. Yeah. <laughs> so why is it that dogs are are having this so early in life? I think there's there's different things out there, right? So we have the study um, that if you neuter a dog too early, depending on the breed, that can hinder or predispose them to more cranial cruciate disease. So that's one of them. Now, that's a whole other topic of when do you neuter and spay animals and what time frame, because I think it is different for very different breeds. Are we going to neuter a Great Dane at six months old? Probably not. That's not, they grow up to two years of age. So, th- so that could change their, the strength and the development of their ligaments as well. So mm-hmm. it's one thing that we'll see. 
I feel like there's not necessarily, I mean, that could be a reason, but I don't think it's like it happens because of the, like it happens at this age or stuff like that. I think it just depends on the animal and how active they are. If they're, I mean, we see it a lot during the winter because of the ice, because dogs slip or I think it just depends on, maybe not depends, but if your dog is crazy active and it's constantly playing, I mean, it can just happen. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah. Yeah, is it a dog that plays in a more rough type of play versus one that just kind of likes to cuddle and, you know, does like the gentle kind of plays versus like mine that will straight up tackle someone if he can. So I feel like you're a lot more likely to have that happen in a dog like mine versus one like, say, SJ, who Mm -hmm. tends to be definitely a little bit more calm and relaxes better. So. Yeah, and we have um, certain genetic predispositions, right, that Labrador retrievers, Dr. King, shout out, (laughs) has insurance on her lab so that because she knew at some point she was Mm going to tear cruciate. Obesity is certainly another factor to Mm -hmm. consider. And then the other one that was on on my mind is little dogs, which we don't Mm -hmm. think as commonly, but they can have injuries to their – Issues with their patellas that their mm-hmm. kneecaps will pop in and out, which makes their knees less stable. So mm-hmm. they're more prone to injury. That's a good point. So um, going back to the question, though, is it processed dog food that lacks the omega-3s? Um, I would say we don't know. Um, most dog foods we know if they have the AFCO certification are well-balanced and complete, but nutrition is certainly that area that is an evolving science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Learning more every every year, which we'll get to as another mm-hmm. question. But mm-hmm. omega-3s are important for joint health, but not crucial for the ligament strength. Preventing cruciate mm-hmm. ligament yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, it's so not like going to prevent it. <laughs> so... It depends, too, I think, that if you have a larger breed, then um, you can start them preemptively on a joint supplement. It's not going mm-hmm. to hurt them. And just mm-hmm. that's more for, like, arthritic arthritic prevention. Mm, strong word to say. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, joint it just health just helps in aid and not maybe slowing it down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get on board. Yeah. Wow. Where are we at? <gasps> we have eight. Finish with time is six. <laughs> wow. Look at us. All right. Number two. What is your opinion on when a female dog should be spayed? Chris Grissom. Thank you, Chris. Anyone? So I know typically with female dogs, we try to say, depending on their size, typically before the first heat, um, because of the things that they can be predisposed, uh, that they can be disposed to if they've gone through that heat, like having ovarian cancer, things like that. Um, so we usually try to say before that first heat to help minimize the risk in the future of different things that they can end up with. So, mm-hmm. yep. I think it depends. I think we had a podcast on this, but depends on the goal, right? So you get a puppy coming from a rescue situation. The goal is not to have a dog out there to procreate because there's Mm -hmm. enough in the world. So that's going to happen a lot younger than when maybe we have the luxury of deciding. So rule of thumb, I think most doctors agree here. We say six months of age and that's just not because of the size of the puppy, but it's also their, the way that they can metabolize and handle a procedure under gas anesthesia Mm -hmm. and recovery time and all that stuff too. So I think it really depends on the end goal, but breed is also a factor. So Mm -hmm. someone wants to speak to that, but (laughs) yeah, because sometimes if it's a bigger breed, you like to let, you like to hold off on it maybe till a year or so, but you also, like she said, have the risks. 
Yeah. Some dogs, like larger breed dogs, may mm-hmm. not have a heat cycle until they're closer mm-hmm. to right. a year of age. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have your toy breeds, they're more they're more prone to because they don't develop as long or as much to mm-hmm. have it sooner. Mm-hmm. So a young dog ages faster than a large breed or a small breed dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <A> young dog. <laughs> oh boy. Um yeah, I tried to to push my, for my large breed dogs, like a German Shepherd, a Great Dane female to eight months of age, just mm-hmm. to try to get that skeletal maturity. Going back to the previous question, I think, Dr. Duckwall, you alluded to it, that there's some thought that spaying sooner or some studies that are suggestive that spaying sooner may affect our growth plates and so mm-hmm. um taking away the sex hormone sooner will it cause the growth plates to close prematurely the studies we have aren't perfectly designed but seem somewhat suggestive of it but to your point becca we're balancing this yeah. mm-hmm. you know there is an increased risk of cancer and then also who wants to go through a heat cycle oh, those are not <laughs> I always ask owners that. i'm like do you want to deal with this or not it's usually a yeah. yes or a no <laughs> not fun right. not right. a good time right. <laughs> yeah it's a lot yeah another evolving question it's a good question Or is it depends? Yeah. (laughs) Just like with all medicine, mostly. Yeah. The best is to always go with doctor recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. Ask your vet. All star. I mean, that's what I did. Oh, you want me to do that for him? Yes, Dr. Pulse. I am happy to listen to whatever you said. You earned that degree, not me. Yeah. That is music to our ears. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Next question. Killing it. I am fostering a seven-month German Shepherd mix. She sometimes refuses to follow commands and other times is very sweet. She's not yet spayed. Any suggestions for improving consistency? That's a good question. That is a really good question. Lots to go into that too. Mm-hmm. Courtney, any thoughts? Um, I think it did. I mean, I don't personally know like how they're training or what they're doing necessarily or if they've done puppy classes or if the owner is educated on training. So maybe she could, if, like I said, if she hasn't done research and training and that kind of stuff, especially you said it's a German shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. So German shepherds are a working breed and they're already, (coughs) they're not difficult to train. They just take a lot of work and they need consistency. And then positive reinforcement is really good. So if you are just having a hard time, maybe reach out to a trainer and just see, like get little tips and stuff like that. Um, I don't, Personally, I was talking to Dr. Duckwall about it, but personally, I don't think this not spade part is necessarily affecting her training. Like we in male dogs, we recommend neutering if they're having behavioral issues. Um, but yeah, I think you should maybe just do more research on like the training aspect of it and just see if there's other things you can do to help improve her training and her um, just her listening to you and that kind of stuff. But positive reinforcement is very important. Negative reinforcement doesn't get you very far. Could you elaborate on what positive reinforcement is? Yes. So positive reinforcement would be something like you tell them a command that you're trying to teach them and then you instantly reward them. So they sit, you give them a treat. Or if you're clicker training, you click it and then give them a treat. Um, So you don't want to – you don't want to like – I don't know how to explain it. You just – I mean, you just reward them for whatever they did. So you don't shun them or like just – I don't know. I don't ignore know. Ignore the bad. Yeah. Really yeah. Ignore. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much ignore the bad. Yeah. Reward the good. 
Yeah. And I know one of the things I've talked about with clients is a high reward, a high reward treat versus just, you know, something mm-hmm. like, oh, here's a little piece of your kibble doing mm-hmm. stuff like boiling up some chicken and keeping that in there. So mm-hmm. when it's something you really want to enforce, they get that higher reward for doing what you've asked them to do because it's not something that they get every day. It's mm-hmm. not their normal treats that they're going to get anyways because you're just like, oh, yeah, here you go. Have a treat. Mm-hmm. It's those things that they know when they do what you're asking. That's what they're going to get. So mm-hmm. sometimes those higher rewards is what can help mm-hmm. with getting them consistent with what they're doing. Yeah. More right. motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially a German shepherd. Mm-hmm. They're smart. They're, they're calculating they're their, <laughs> what's in it for me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if there's something not super rewarding, mm-hmm. they may blow us off and be mm-hmm. like, eh, no, nah. I don't really need that. It's not that important yeah. to eat that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to remember like, a seven-month-old, that's still a baby. They have a time or attention span as a young, I don't know, young kid, kid maybe or something. Mm-hmm. Like two to three minutes is the that's window I point. always tell owners to train something, mm-hmm. whether it's sit, a commander, anything like that. So you really want to breaking down, breaking it down further, like when they do something they're supposed to do, you have a 30-second window to reward them or else they forget. Mm-hmm. They won't connect the dots. And that's with any animal. That's not young only. So I think it's important to remember, don't get frustrated because they literally may get bored or start literally Mm -hmm. squirrel and go off and not interested in training anymore. So that's another important aspect is to remember if you start to find that you're losing their attention, I can't talk to attention, losing attention (laughs) or getting distracted easily or not really interested in the treat or something, Mm -hmm. you have to take a break and come back to it Mm -hmm. or switch it up because it's not going to work at that point. Just yeah, long training everyone. sessions don't make anything. But yeah, like an hour is not going to do anything different. No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. It's going to maybe do more harm because everyone's just going to get angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. However, I would emphasize that every time we interact with our dogs, it's a training opportunity mm-hmm. yeah. that we are either rewarding a behavior, usually rewarding a behavior. So anytime we – oh, I – we're at time. Uh, no, finish uh, your sentence. <laughs> she lost her important. So every time we interact with our dogs, we are probably rewarding a behavior. And so it's asking ourselves the question, is this the behavior I want to reinforce? So we want to reward what we want to reinforce, ignore the behaviors we don't, and remember that even negative attention can be a reward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wow, that was, that was the first one we went over. We liked that wow. question. Oh, we I thought there was a buzzer, Harrison. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, like, Do you I'm on a really want now. a buzzer? <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. I feel like I should only get a buzzer if I can have like sparkles or something that come down and no. we stop before yes. time. Like, just throw candy at us. So we'll that goes with the positive candy. reinforcement. I would right. like candy because I, I need positive attention as well as negative. Right. <laughs> we went over it because there's no positive reinforcement for exactly. keeping in the time no. window, Harrison. Oh. Come on. Oh my gosh. Oh no. <laughs> I'm oh scared boy. now. Okay. Select I'm not sure I want to know what it's Next about. question. I can't remember if it's you or me. You go for okay. it. Okay. Okay. Is giving a senior, very senior dog a heartworm preventative year round a good idea or not? Best brand? If one stopped the meds in the winter months, when is the best time to restart? I was wondering if the extra chemicals might stress the body too much as most seniors take their medica- other medications daily. Mm. Becky Shoemake. That's a great question, That Becky. is a really good question. So pretty detailed. So let's start with 
the first part of it. Mm-hmm. Is giving a very senior dog heartworm preventative year-round a good idea or not? I think it's a good idea unless your dog truly has serious health concerns where it's going to hurt it more than do any good. So I think you should definitely consult your veterinarian just to make sure, like I said, your dog doesn't have any serious life-threatening things where the prevention is going to do more harm than protect them from anything. Um, I mean, we give it to senior dogs all the time, but they're, I mean, as long as they're completely healthy and like I said, there's no other concern, I think it's completely fine and it's safe. The products we recommend are extremely safe and it's a good idea to have your pet on prevention. To that point, I will say, though, rarely is there is it ever right. what we right. say contraindicated. Like right, right. Just mm-hmm. but if there was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Agreed. I think, oh, gosh, I don't know a senior dog that may not have an issue. <laughs> so right. it's. I know. No, agree. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 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 I think in light of them being preventative medications that they are demonstrated safe for Mm -hmm. puppies from eight weeks of age to Mm -hmm. older. There are minimal drug interactions with the medications that we have to be concerned about when Mm -hmm. these senior dogs are on a plethora of other things. Um, And as far as the, the chemicals stressing the body, the monthly deworming medication, um, we are we're learning that there are other uses for these medications, which is so interesting. So mm-hmm. ivermectin, for example, or fenbendazole, some of these deworming mm-hmm. medications have really come to light in um, trying to cross-study them for their applications in medicine, both human and animals. So anyway, there's... There, in my mind, I would hate for us to be working hard to keep a senior dog healthy and they contract heartworm disease. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, That's a good point. That's a very too. good point. Because that, I mean, that can be bad. It could be fatal. Mm-hmm. Like of all the parasites, that's the bad guy. So. Right. And considering the treatment when we're injecting arsenic into them, there's no good benign so like treatment. Said a senior dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were learning about it in our CE stuff that we were doing last week. And one of the things that I thought was really informative was um, we were told one of the ways to refer to it as is as a deadly infectious disease because it takes one mosquito and one heartworm positive dog to spread it in like a three mile radius because then at that point you've got countless other animals that are being um, potentially infected between cats, dogs, all of that. So you do run that risk of even if your dog is healthy and, you know, you're not doing the medications because you are worried about that, you still run that risk. If you have that one other person not doing it, you could end up with it even if you don't realize it because even if your dog is in and out for two seconds, mm-hmm. you have that risk. And it is such a hard one to find and then treat once you do find it. Yep. Mm-hmm. It takes two seconds for a mosquito to bite. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they do come inside mosquitoes. They do I come inside. They didn't come inside. <laughs> they love the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate it. I mean, just that idea of it being a public health concern that by protecting your dog, you're also protecting the dogs in your neighborhood and your city just because of that increased yeah. risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there a best brand? Do we think there's a best brand? 
There are a lot of good options, a lot of different options, which I do think makes it nice when, you know, the most common side effects are diarrhea after dogs take the medication. So there are other options for, you know, if we are seeing any reactions to the medication, there are other options we can choose from. Um, I am. Oh, we didn't even we get through the really whole bad on that I know, one. This one I feel like oh, was so in depth that four minutes with so many different pieces. Yeah, we of needed it. eight yeah. on that, Harrison. It's like I was on high play the game. Who asked for the buzzer? There's so many pieces. Sorry, we couldn't finish your question. Becky. You answered a really good or you asked a really good question. I think in short, no, I don't think there's a best brand. I think that's safe to say. I think it depends on the dog the application of what the owner recommend or would prefer mm-hmm. best time to restart. Um, now. I know <laughs> something we talked about last week was that a lot of the heartworm preventive preventatives, especially they take at least three months of taking it consecutively. So there are some that they have to do three months consecutively. Some of them that it's six for it to be truly a hundred percent effective. Now mm-hmm. the Zoetis products that we carry, the Semperica trio, the pro heart, those ones after one month, they have that 100% effectiveness, but it's one of the few that does. So the recommendation of keeping them on it year round is because those other products, if you're not doing one of those two, you need to have it consistently or it's not 100% effective. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or if you travel, there's mosquitoes everywhere. Okay. All right. We went over a little bit, but it was a great question. Okay. So this is a good one too. Why do most or all veterinarians give the same amount of vaccines to a five five pound dog and a 60 pound dog miko thompson Miko, i'm so sorry thompson mr thompson mrs thompson <laughs> oh gosh i'm just losing oh, my <laughs> do you want to go first yes i like it i had a response ready it's because the immune system doesn't weigh anything. It doesn't matter. You still have to initiate and incite an immune response. It doesn't matter the number. It it matters if they've had exposure to it, mm-hmm. especially puppies. That's why we stress puppy vaccines because of the way their immunity develops and how the mom's in, um, immunity is slowly dissipating in the puppy. So um, if the dog comes more predisposed to a reaction – that could be bigger little breeds. Like mm-hmm. you can spread them out, but they still need all of them because they're all vac- we're vaccinating against different viruses and diseases. It's mm-hmm. not it's not the number. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah, and like you said, if a dog has a reaction, then we pre-treat them, or like you said, we space mm-hmm. them out. So even if you are worried about just because you have a little dog, yeah, it's nerve wracking, but it's safe. And it's always best to let us know if you've noticed that your dog has that, you know, being painful, if they have that vomiting, that diarrhea, the sooner we know, the better we can mark it in the chart so that when they come around for their annual next year, I can pull it up and say, hey, Dr. Duckwall, Dr. Pulse, this patient, this is what happened last year. Can we pre-treat them? So Mm -hmm. letting us know that they've had those reactions is going to be a lot easier for us in the future. So then that way you're not just going every year with, oh, my dog is always so painful after these. Is it because they get so many? Well, let us help you out. Let us know those reactions so we can help make it easier on them. Right. Yeah. Which reaction has kind of this 
emotional response to Mm -hmm. it, right? We don't want adverse reactions, but we do want the body to respond to the vaccine that similar to the COVID vaccine Mm -hmm. that the fever is an indicator that the body's responding. So mm-hmm. it's seeing are, the, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's seeing, seeing it the and it will remember it. It's, That's yeah, the point of the vaccine. <laughs> building immunity. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yes, we can certainly see vomiting uh, or excuse me, um, soreness, lethargy for 24 hours is normal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes soft stool, mm-hmm. but vomiting hives, those are the concerning ones. Yeah. So it doesn't matter the dog's weight, I guess. Right, is what it comes right. Nope. Yeah. So next one from same same owner. Why do we have to give our pets the same vaccines every year? If we know how a vaccination works, shouldn't there be immunity? It's a good question. Good question. Yeah. I think it comes down to the length of the immunity, right? So mm. we know there have been studies when the immunity. I go back to puppies because it's easier, but when the immunity starts to decline to where it's not enough of a response in those cells for it to be protective. So for example, um, people can do titers like for certain vaccines each year. What that is testing to see is are there antibodies present and an immune response present to that specific virus, for example, we're looking at. If they're high enough, then your body still has the strength to to fight it. Mm -hmm. But for things like um, rabies where it's legally required, the test is like in Kansas or something, but Mm -hmm. people don't do it because legally you have to have it. Mm -hmm. And then also like lepto, there's, I think there's been studies that have to look and see which, how recent, but the immunity declines after a year. So you Mm -hmm. have to rebooster it. It's like you're coming down and going back up Mm -hmm. on a bell curve. So it's not, not all vaccines are created equal either and neither Mm -hmm. is the virus in which you're protecting against it's kind of like in human vaccines where you have certain ones like the flu vaccination you get it every year to help fully protect you because they're constantly tweaking it or things like tetanus because that immunity does start to go down you're supposed to get it i believe it's every 10 years Mm -hmm. so there are some that even in you know people you're supposed to have booster just to help keep you protected from them so if we're doing it for us we want to do it for them as well Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And I think practically we don't have the same information that they have in humans as Mm -hmm. far as the duration of immunity. So both because of of breed differences, and then we also have to consider lifestyle differences. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't have the studies to really back up that a distemper parvo vaccine across all species will last five, ten years. Mm -hmm. When we titer dogs, we have some dogs that their distemper parvo vaccine, we know at least three years. But some can titer and have antibodies longer, but other dogs Mm -hmm. do not. So there's uniqueness of the immune system. And then there's also just in vet med some financial limitations as far as, you know, we it's safe to protect our pets so that people are also protected and it is also less expensive to vaccinate rather than tighter Mm. which is i don't know if that's right or not um yeah but that is kind of the um, industry that we're in and i'll be curious to see how it changes as pets have become more family members and household dogs rather than farm animals which is really something i'd say we've seen in the last 50 years just change drastically Mm -hmm. yep it's also less expensive to vaccinate than it is to treat for the 
disease or virus that right, contracts. Exactly. And then there's some zoonotic diseases, right? Mm-hmm. The rabies, mm-hmm. the lepto, that these are transmissible from pets to people. So mm-hmm. it's right. our our job to protect families yep. that are that are willing to have pets in their lives so we can keep both healthy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, okay, so what is the real deal with pet food? I'm told that grain-free is not the way to go and that it causes enlarged charts. More recent information. Very good question. Mm-hmm. Need some clarifying still. I mean, recent. I don't know how recent the studies are. I don't remember. Do you know what year they came? Is it three years? Last three years. Okay, yeah. I mean, there are studies that came out that say grain-free food or feeding your animal grain-free food is related to heart disease. It can be. There have been studies linked to it. So I I don't necessarily. I haven't read all the studies, so I don't necessarily know the reasoning behind it for sure. Um, But I don't think we recommend grain-free as much anymore because of those studies. And I know some of the stuff I've been hearing is that it's a higher risk in dogs than it is in cats for that issue. So the recommendation is definitely dogs to try to avoid that grain-free if possible, whereas cats tends to be a little bit more of a gray area. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Cats are chewer carnivores Mm -hmm. and dogs are omnivores, meaning they can digest both. And it is interesting. So um, we've known that there's an amino acid deficiency in foods that can lead to a heart condition. Um, and we know that these grain-free foods do have the amino acid, but it seems like some protein source, we think soy legumes, are kind of binding up the grains. So mm. it's making it so it's not usable by the body. So it's been very interesting. So some studies came out, and then there were a lot of FDA reports of people's personal dogs kind of post um, responding to this, saying that my dog has been on a grain-free food. It's this one, and they did were diagnosed with a heart condition, kind of mm-hmm. self-reporting. So I think the jury is still out as far as the details behind mm-hmm. it. Um, but... Yes, for for all of my canine patients, I'm recommending avoiding grain-free foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, too, is we were seeing it in breeds that aren't predisposed genetically to heart disease. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when that was happening and kind of going back through the commonality, it's grain-free was a big one because the study was done in golden retrievers, and they are not – they can – they can have heart disease, but not the type that they were finding, which was dilated cardiomyopathy. So it's something where knowing that information, I think our stance is more like, we know that it can be linked. Is it guaranteed it's going to happen? No, not to your dog, Mm -hmm. but we know it can do harm. So why risk it? Mm -hmm. Because they can do just fine with grain. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I recommend grain because it's heart disease is, is really hard to manage. Right. And I think the question is why not grain foods? Yeah. That's, that's that good. That's some a good of point. It is, mm-hmm. is marketing, which mm-hmm. food and nutrition are, um, are certainly a science, but they're very emotionally tied, unfortunately. Yeah. Which is so interesting because a lot of it for many years, it's been grain causes allergies or food allergies. Yep. And really it's mm-hmm. the, the protein is the most common mm-hmm. form or the reason mm-hmm. for it. So, and yeah, it's just, it's fascinating how science and 
information can change a lot of that just embedded information in people's minds because mm-hmm. like you said it's marketing too yeah yeah because I, yeah, I can attest to that because i worked at a pet store for four and a half years mm-hmm. and i mean we pushed grain free like it was i mean it was our job yeah like mm-hmm. i mean we were forced to push it and that was the only thing that we believed that dogs should eat like if an owner came in just because i didn't know any better i wasn't in this field yet but if an owner came in they were like oh i need a grain fruit i'm like no you don't you need grain free <laughs> like yeah. but i mean i didn't know any better but that's i mean people just aren't educated in it yeah. and then that's yeah. i mean pet you have to push what you have to push yeah. so yeah. there's so many options out there now too so yeah i hate shopping for pet food oh my gosh <laughs> oh my there's God. so many things <laughs> out there so it is yeah <laughs> nutrition is a whole different ball game mm-hmm. yeah but there are people who like it so <laughs> <laughs> okay next question I think that one counted. I think we got it. Yeah, I think we're good. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, next question. Our golden doodle always has a leaky ear. What can we do? Mindy Walden. So many questions. What kind of leakiness? <laughs> no, I know. What kind of discharge? What does it smell like? What does it look like? Is it yellowish? Is it more watery? Right, like, shake his <laughs> Yeah, like we would need at first to physically see it probably just to be able to look at it and be able to tell with me we would do ear swabs, double check it under a microscope, make sure that there's not some sort of infection that's just still happening. Because when we hear leaky ear, there's so many things that it could yeah. be. It could just mm-hmm. be you know, mm-hmm. watery discharge because they have, you know, water in their ear from a bath. But there's always that chance that it's, you know, like yeast that's causing a pus or something else that mm-hmm. we really need to check out. So it's hard when you're like, I get it. Like, it is a question that I would have, like, why does it keep happening? <laughs> yeah. But I would also, that's from this point of view, I'm going, well, I kind of want to see it so that I can tell right, what it is. Right. So yeah. we can figure it out. Yeah, I appreciate how you walked through the process of, yes, usually it's not normal to have discharge in the ears. First and foremost. (laughs) Not normal. (laughs) It's not normal to have a constantly leaky ear, especially if it's gray, green, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yellow discharge. Mm -hmm. And then the symptoms, too, of shaking head, scratching, digging. Those would be all Mm -hmm. signs concerning for infection. Is the ear physically red? Yeah. Yeah. Um, golden doodle equal allergies. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I have one. Um, yeah, they just genetically a big offender in allergies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is, I mean, I don't know. I always say I don't wish wish allergies on my worst enemy because it's so frustrating. <laughs> yes, and it's a maintenance thing. But mm-hmm. that is, I mean. It's basically allergies until proven otherwise, especially if it's a chronic problem. Like you're not – I'm assuming you're not bathing your dog every day or every other day. It's unless, not swimming every day. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. now we're getting into the warmer months, so swimming does become more of a um, a cause for ear infections, assuming it's an infection. But um, it's it's really more of what can you do. It's trying to figure out what the root cause of the allergy is to then control that secondary infection whether it's yeast or bacteria or redness mm-hmm. and irritation. So. Yeah. And I know sometimes the shape of the ear versus is it a floppy ear dog? Is it like a German shepherd where the ears stick straight up? Mm-hmm. Like what, how do the ears actually look? Because those floppy ears, they're going to hold in moisture in and more and, than yeah. the ones that are sticking straight up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Throws yeah. bacteria easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then there's some rarer things like a foreign body yeah. or something mm-hmm. down in the ear canal. But yeah, I would. I would 
bet allergies. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Proven otherwise. Horses before zebras. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. But pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, there's, I can fix this quickly yeah. and easily. Yeah. <laughs> Not true. And allergies. I always remind owners, it's there's more than the eye can see because dog ear canals are L shaped. So mm-hmm. when you come in for an ear exam, we're not just flipping it up and being like, all right, I don't see anything or whatever. We literally have to stretch it out to make it a straight line to look down towards the eardrum mm-hmm. or else we can't see the full ear canal. So there is, there could mm-hmm. be more to it. Like you said, yeah. a foreign body stuck down mm-hmm. in there and we just, yeah, yep, we can't see it. Yeah. You can't because you're just looking at it. Yeah. I know the lights on your guys's otoscope, right? That's mm-hmm. right. Word. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Big word. Nice. I didn't think about it. I was like, there are so many pieces to that, which is it. <laughs> the lights on the otoscope help you to get that clearer picture versus me trying to hold like my phone flashlight yes. on my dog's mm-hmm. ear. So having that as well as like you said, straining out the ear is going to give us a better look to see if it is, you know, a zebra instead mm-hmm. of a horse of a foreign body or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There are maintenance things. They can clean out ears. There's over-the-counter or ear flushes that are safe. (laughs) Call us for them. (laughs) Okay. Any tips, tricks, or equipment to help with leash training? My dog does great when it's just us, but add another dog walking by. Now all dogs, mind you, or a person, and he pulls. Thanks. Melissa Feller. I really like gentle leaders. Mm -hmm. I think those are awesome. They're so... Gentle Leader, the brand, or if that's the brand name, they come, they have harnesses, but they also have the ones that go around their muzzle. And I think those are fantastic, but they're not just something you could put on your dog and it works immediately. It takes a lot of training. And so, but the reason I like them is because, I mean, most dogs respond well to them. I've seen some dogs who are like, I don't even care what's on me. I'm just going to go. But the Gentle Leaders, I think around the muzzle are really helpful because a dog doesn't want something pressing down on their nose. They can't breathe. It probably doesn't feel great. So I think gentle leaders are awesome. Like I said, it takes, I mean, any collar or harness takes training, but mm-hmm. I think more control. Lead, yeah. Think or too. yeah. If in this person's case, if your dog gets distracted easily, here comes a positive reinforcement again, or bring treats that are motivating to them, give them something to distract them from what they're freaking out about too. Yeah. That could help. One of the things I love is the leashes that have the double handles. So you have the handle at the top that gives them the full range of like the six for however long. But then there's another one at the bottom so Mm -hmm. that you can grab it and then that dog doesn't have as much of a pull. You keep it beside you so that in those occasions when the dog comes by, I've got the smaller one. So I know that they're right there because they physically can't move as far with that second handle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they don't have as much leverage, as much of a line to pull against. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think leisure activity is a thing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. whether it's the dog or it looks like a person too. It's, it's a behavior that you have to untrain for them, whether it's excitement that's um, inducing this dog to pull uh, stress, fear. There's so many different things that it goes back to positive reinforcement and trying to teach them in that instance, whether it's a positive mm, experience um, I guess is one way, mm. or they need to just be directed on their command. Like this look is a command, have them look at their owner. There's just so many different triggers that could be mm-hmm. related to that. I guess some dogs, maybe that constriction or lack of control that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's definitely the walking tools, like the bungee leashes or like the double handle leashes, mm-hmm. gentle leader. 
Um, those are obviously, um, you know, mechanically to help safely um, restrain your dog. There's also the training component, like we talked about before, and having a very reactive, least reactive dog. Mm-hmm. Um, we did what was called backward sit. So usually, so say you're walking towards me, Dr. Duckwell, with a dog, and I'm walking towards you with mine, and both dogs instinctively are going to be pulling at the leash toward mm-hmm. each other. So what we would do is walk backwards and have the dog come and face me. So it would be come, sit, come, sit. So I was walking the opposite direction of you and having the dog sit and face me and get the attention back on me. So mm-hmm. this required treats and sometimes mm-hmm. looking like a fool, like running backwards, <laughs> even hollering so that I could get his attention. But when that attention is back on you, um, having your dog calmly sit or lay down. So when we got far enough away, we could sit or lay down and let the other person pass by without too much of a scene eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, again, it comes back to rewarding calm behavior. Behavior. If your dog pulls on the leash and he gets to meet the other dog or other person, what did they just learn? They're going to be like, oh, that's I can do that. Yeah, I got away with it. So great. Can... I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. 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 So the backward sits was um, a lifesaver. And we looked a fool for a lot of years <laughs> having to do it. It's okay. It takes a lot of time. Any training mm-hmm. takes a lot of time and effort. Yeah, but it doesn't so, happen yeah. overnight. It's like the, I mean, I don't know everyone's opinion on prong collars, but like those two people just buy them at the pet store and think they're going to work. You just, mm-hmm. it takes everything takes work with an animal. Right. right. Jingle, jingle. We're doing so good. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison's like, you're going over. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like, it's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, last question. Can you please open up a clinic on the south side of Indy or even in Greenwood? Would be nice. Thank you. Shayla Hill. Oh, Shayla. (laughs) Wow. That means a lot. It does. It does. We'd love to spread our presence. I know. We don't have that. Dis- we don't have that power. I know. Maybe if Dr. King were here, <laughs> she, yeah. <laughs> like absolutely, we're coming. But oh, if gosh. you come up this way, we'll make it a worthwhile experience for you. Yes, because we appreciate yep. all people and animals. Yes, we have a lot of wonderful people that drive a long ways to see us. Yeah, and drive a long way just to get to work. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's ending soon. But yeah, yeah, know, and we always try to make it when you are driving that far. What all can we do for you at one visit so that I'm not having you drive mm-hmm. back in two months because you need to update a vaccine? Mm-hmm. What can I do to get everything together so that mm-hmm. especially for annuals, I'm doing it all at once. I don't want to make you continue to drive and be yeah. inconvenient. So mm-hmm. I know that we at least try to do that. I mean, it would be nice to have other places but we do try to like you said make it worth your while and do what we can to get everything done at once so then that way it's not every two months you're making the really long drive to come mm-hmm. up here so yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point yeah. we yeah. try our best that to is... make it convenient yeah and you, if you, you can always call too and see if you can get an opinion for conservative treatment at home too you mm-hmm. can always do that there's yeah. not all the time we can give advice over the phone but yeah, there's the best too. we can. Yeah, I know. We try so to I think the answer is is maybe not yet. We, <laughs> we'll we see. Would love to help you, yes, but maybe. <laughs> I have one that's other not question. One of the hats I wear. I can't. Question is from Ashley Pfeiffer, a fellow fan of our podcast, and also fellow um, vet comrade, vet school comrade of mine. She asked, "Would you rather work on?" <laughs> Horse-sized cats or cats – no, shoot. Cat-sized horses? 
Horse-sized cats or cat-sized horses? Wait, horse-sized cats. No. Cat-sized horses. Cat-sized horses. Yes. I just, cats have too many weapons and the way they move is not normal. So they're too, like, I just, so, I can't. Listen, I'm If there was a big cat. Yeah, I'm going right? to The size of a horse. This, yeah, if there was a yeah. cat as big as a horse. Yeah. You, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not qualified to work They're on not pumas. As agile, <laughs> like, they, yeah. oh, yeah. I guess they wouldn't. They would, maybe well, they, they are agile, like, but maybe they, but if they're like that, can they not move that fast? Or, but it's still a cat, it's just I, a I large say, cat. How so, fast like, are your reflexes? <laughs> I mean, I can control a cat, but like, no, I don't want a big cat. <laughs> I'm thinking if you're thinking of a cat that big, I'm picturing like tigers and pumas and stuff and like i said it's gonna break fast heart but i would much rather work on a really teeny tiny horse because <laughs> you're right there are too many weapons and you know yeah. hand yeah. daggers and things yeah. I'm like mm, on something that big i will lose danger <laughs> mittens <laughs> can you imagine danger mittens like that big I, <laughs> I would just close my eyes and be like okay here it goes <laughs> this is it <laughs> I know, because then you always get the ones, and I'm like, there are some of them, but I'm like, I wish, because you have some of those perfect cat patients that you're like, you're the best, and I would love to have you in the size of a horse, because we could just, like, snuggle, and it'd be great. (laughs) But then you never know when the kitty minutes are done, Mm -hmm. and when they're that big. And they don't have to whack you or swat you, they just step on you. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, my life has flashed before my eyes, and it was nice knowing you all. Yeah. Well, I think the answer is that there are we would never be working on them because they do what they want. They yeah. would never be domesticated if yeah. there were cat-sized horses. <laughs> yeah. The they exist. They're called tigers. Would, would, their veins, would their veins be better? Tigers and lions. Because they're big cats. Oh, that's true. That could be good because cat veins are... How do you restrain it to get to the veins? I don't know. Like a horse? <laughs> you, you hope and pray and... Put in a really freaking big cat bag. <laughs> sedation. I'm sorry. Can you put mittens on your cat before you come in, please? Yes. Because <laughs> I know they need to be the size of like basketball player's shoes, but please do this and yeah. let us see what we can do. It's a great question. That's an excellent question. That's a great question. There you go, Ashley. I love it. All right. Well, we have no outro, so... Oh, she gets oh freedom. Gosh, I get free reign. Okay, listen up. <laughs> this is how it's going to go. I'm just kidding. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Dr. Pulse, you did great. Oh, thanks. thanks for filling in. Appreciate it. Everyone, thank you fans. Thank you, you, and you, and you mm-hmm. for 10 episodes of the Veterinary Roundtable podcast. Yeah. I've called it the All Star Podcast <laughs> before. We'll see you next time for episode 11. We're still going. Still going strong. Still going. Love it. Job, ladies. Thanks, host lady. Won't yeah, stop, thanks. can't stop. <laughs> Wait, can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, yeah. Trevor, we can do it. <laughs>